Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to another edition of the Hour Football Podcast, episode 86. I'm Amelia Lopez. Welcome back, everybody. Long, long time since we've talked about Liga Max Femenil, El Tri Femenil, but we're back. We're excited. And as always, is my counterpart, Adriana Terrazas. Adriana, how are you today? I'm great, Amy. I was, I'm just so happy because I was listening to either the Camotes guy or the garbage people just come down the street and I was like, it's going to happen exactly what I'm saying. Hello. But apparently they just like, I don't know, took a detour or something. So yeah, I'm happy. Um, summer's right around the corner. It's crazy times. Um, Football estufa. Um, we have all these tournaments coming up and friendlies and it's just, it, it's weird, right? It's like a World Cup kind of environment but it's like all these different tournaments at the same time and they just want to drive us crazy and I, I don't know I'm excited slash uh stressed probably and then another half is like I don't know like what to expect now <laughs> yeah I think uh Tata Martino I think he said it before the Nations League game which we're going to talk about later he said it during the press conference where he said like right we had to deal with this weird environment of nothing happening and now all of a sudden it's like we kicked everything into overdrive because of like all the games that they have all the games that we have to talk about not just on the men's side but on the feminine side so yeah I feel the same way like I'm excited you know I just traveled about two weeks ago to Dallas now I'm gonna be heading out this week for Atlanta and it's like it's fun but then I'm like oh my god there's just so much stuff happening so it's yes your your, your culmination of the way that this feels <laughs> is, is perfectly encapsulated because you're nervous you're excited and then there's like a third emotion that you're not properly able to convey as far as the background noise at the end I always love when that lady comes on in the background and she's asking people like what they want to eat or, or what they're asking for. So <laughs> I've, I've gotten used to it we've obviously had Ollie and Jack in the background and today my dogs are actually in the room with me because they've gotten really weirdly attached to me lately so we might hear barking and like she's like laying down right next to me so it might be like right next to the mic so for listeners I apologize in advance because not only is she adorable but her bark is super annoying so just keep that in mind <laughs> but at the end uh, we had a, I mean speaking of a bunch of soccer obviously you're over at Tudene I'm now working on some stuff over at the marketing jersey so a lot of soccer got in the way of us talking about our bread and butter the Liga Max Femenil but the final did happen Tigres once again champion first back-to-back champion in the league and aside from winning back-to-back championships the newly created campeon de campeonas was given to them because that should have been between the two two winners of these last two torneos but a 7-4 aggregate overall um obviously it's been a a few you know it's it's past it's it's breaking point or expiration date and soccer timelines but we didn't have a chance to talk about it so I definitely wanted to give you a an opportunity to give us your final thoughts on the game, on this, you know, constant trajectory of four titles for Tigres, on how Chivas did um, to end the season over at the Liga Max Femenil. Yeah, I mean, we, we've spoken about this several times, just mentioning that it's not the fact that we don't want Tigres to win. It's just that we want to make sure that the league is actually just balanced and everyone has or, or has a better chance of actually winning <laughs> the Liga Max Femenil championship. Um, it, it, it seemed as though Chivas, if they kind of manage themselves mentally and overcome, like if, if they could have overcome that mental hurdle of knowing they had lost uh, the, the first leg of, of the final after that PK um, that Jaramillo missed and then um, getting that last minute goal against the, it is in, in that first leg, if they could like overcome that hurdle, it seems as though they had a possibility of getting um, just 
just being in the game and, and trying to have like Tigres and, and just have a better outcome at, at some point. And then Tigres being Tigres, uh, that, that just dominant team that they've always, almost always been, um, just was winning the game 3-0 after 15 minutes. That, that was just crazy. I mean, I was kind of disappointed because obviously for people that just probably will give the league a chance and be like, oh, it's the final. I might just look into it and see what it's about and stuff like that. You kind of lose interest when you're seeing one team beat the other in the final 3-0 after 15 minutes, right? So I, I was kind of disappointed when I saw that because of what it means to, again, fans that are just, are just trying to give the league a chance or trying to get just closer to the information and the games and players. Um, other than that, I mean, I still think Chivas did such an amazing season after all the changes they had after last semester, uh, losing so many key players, but still being as competitive as they were. I just regret the fact that they weren't able to come back after the 2-1 loss in the first leg and just make things a little bit more difficult for Tigres because obviously, I, I mean, after those three goals, you, you just can't imagine like the mental burden of, of saying, oh my God, we still have to play another 75 minutes of this and we're losing 3-0 at this point. I think they did, um, I mean, several players, like it was good to see them not lose that, that like just being so determined during the game, despite that disadvantage. But still, I mean, it just goes to show how powerful and how dangerous Tigres can be whenever they're playing, and especially a home game as well, because you had we had fans in the stadium for that game. And it's just playing like against 12 players instead of 11 when you play at the Universitario. Yeah, I agree. I think that that was the lasting impression that I had um, from one end of the spectrum, right? It was you saw Chivas just do so amazing and, and come back in such a manner that they had in the first leg, um, missing that PK. I mean, that, I think for the, I think for the objective fan, right. I think, and, and for Chivas fans, I guess too, for Ligos fans, obviously it was an advantage, but I think for like the objective fan, you thought like, ah, if they go into that second leg two, two, it's going to be very interesting. It's going to be very interesting because Chivas comes in with a new shed of confidence. Not that they didn't because Chora said that same thing in the post-game press conference saying, mm -hmm. you know, we have a chance to really do something in the Volcan. And, you know, I know a lot of people took it as a misinterpretation, but he wanted to, he made a very good case for his team saying, we're not scared of anybody. You know, it's another game for us. And then it felt a little, you know, it felt a little defeating for them to just give up those goals so quickly in the second leg. And I was actually watching it with my brothers who have been paying attention to it because I'm very passionate about it, but are very, you know, they're, you know, they're, they're, they don't watch it as much as I do, right? They're a casual fan and they had that impression that you just mentioned, you know, if you're, if you're tuning in for the first time and you want to watch two of the most talked about teams on social, you know, like, let me see what it's about. Let me see what's going on. And then you see Tigres dominate again. You kind of go, you know, ah, what, you know, how yeah. good is this sort of thing? Right. But uh, our good friend, Carlos Justis from Telemundo actually was like, you know, uh, kind of agreed with me. Cause I posted something, you know, anybody who thinks that, cause I, I said, as soon as the third goal went in, like it, it, like the game was over at that point, but that shouldn't, that shouldn't take away anything from what Chivas has done this season and in, be an indicator of what's to come for Chivas in, in other seasons, especially with the mentality and, and the leadership that Chora has showed. And he, you know, he kind of reiterated saying just because Tigres is so good, doesn't mean Chivas is so bad because of this happening, you know? And I think that that was a good, that was a good point to make. Um, it just did suck. It did suck a lot to see it go down like that. Obviously, what Chivas has done the entire season, they did ending this game as well. 
they fought to the very end literally they had a golazo in like the final <laughs> seconds of the game from Gabby Valenzuela um but it just wasn't enough to beat this Tigres which goes back to our original point that Adriana and I have talked about over and over again is what does that benefit the league in the whole if Tigres is just this this powerhouse and and and, and credit to them they have done an absolutely fantastic job with their players um, Gatti was on a on a uh, media spree uh, following the following the championship. And it was something she kept talking about. You know, Tigres is it had they've supported us from the beginning. They've always looked at us as part of the squad, which is something we haven't seen from a lot of the a lot of the feminine side teams. They don't have that same support. Um, Piojo was at the final. Gignac was at the final. You know, and that kind of shows that momentum building over for some over for them. Something that I don't think we saw. For Chivas, I think, uh, you know, I think Ram- I think Ramon Amira as a past Chivas player was supporting them. And then there was like maybe one current Chivas player that was actually supporting them. I can't even remember who it is, um, you know, but it kind of just shows that I guess that social aspect of just continuously supporting that Tigres has had from the beginning. Um, but they also have a really good foundation. And I think if your lasting impression of this is like, yes, who's going to who's going to really take Tigres on? moving forward that'll be a very interesting dynamic but it's also looking at Chivas fought hard and I think that they have a really good third season under Chora to look forward to yeah great it seems as though now they're on track to actually build up on that project and not like all the expectation and, and doubt I mean that surrounded them after all those decisions last semester um so it if, if this is how well they did after all that criticism and skepticism after those changes, I can definitely expect them to do better. I mean, obviously the only thing better would be to actually win the championship next season, but maybe they could do it in a more dominant way. Maybe, I don't know, just complicate things a bit more for, for the Tigres, for the Monterreys, and maybe for the Americas if they have a decent comeback after this season. So yeah, definitely um, high expectations now. And that's, I mean, it's, it's Chivas. I mean, they're used to this, right? It's, it's not as if they were expected to do anything less, to, to be honest. Um, obviously, lots of pressure on Mauri Vergara was at the games as well, um, especially after seeing the men's side do so poorly this semester. And then you have the women make it to the final, obviously uh, lots of pressure on them as well. But again, this is what you get from playing in a team like Chivas, that it's just the pressure that comes with the, with the team name. Yeah, and I think another lasting thing I spoke about it um, on the Mexican Soccer Show podcast with uh, Cesar and Keith was that for all the, I mean, Tigres was just absolutely dominant during the Liguilla. I think they had like 19 goals in favor. It's just absolutely ridiculous. But for Chivas themselves specifically, over the course of the three matches, the regular season match, and then these two legs they faced, they faced Tigres with, they scored seven goals. Like that's a huge yeah. accomplishment against Tigres. And a Chivas side that isn't at, you know, it doesn't have like top, top players. Like, um, and I say this from Chivas fans. I mean, Adena, you know, you can agree with me if you want, but like Vado and Mel were constantly talking about how like some of these players should probably be like subs and there should be like some quality starters, but they still pushed and tried really, really hard. And so to get these kinds of, you know, kind of neck, maybe not super neck and neck because Tigres is just that much greater, but to, to go toe to toe and, and score seven goals on a team like Tigres is, is, pre, is a pretty good, you know, if you're going to look at the positives, obviously the, the yeah. ultimate goal was to win the final, but if you're going to look at the positives moving into the next season, you scored seven goals on the top team and not a lot of other teams can say that. Yeah, definitely. I mean, obviously we've looked into 
some of those names. I think we're particularly proud of what how far Licha Cervantes has come from. I mean, I, I was just remembering this <laughs> during the final, seeing as though she came out of Atlas actually, being their top goal scorer, had to leave the league at some point because she wanted to be paid just a little bit better. I mean, she was paid yeah. about like $200 per month, um, which is roughly like what you need for cleats and just making it to practice every day. Yeah. Um, so obviously it's actually more of an, a, like an, an investment being in, like a professional player back then. Um, and then she joined Rayadas, and then after Rayadas, she joined Chivas, and then she has such an amazing season, being called to the senior, to the senior national team. Um, now, I, I think it's pretty fair to say we're going to expect her to be there constantly because she's proven herself, um, definitely still has some growth to do, but obviously great talent up front. Um, so it, it was just weird thinking about how far she's come from being in in the rival team like one of the top rivals for Chivas at first and then going to play a final with Chivas against the Igres which is also uh, the art rival of her former team Rayadas so yeah. I don't know this is just one of those weird stories that happens in the MX Femenil um, there's tons more of them but just seeing how far some players can go after just a league that started four years ago right so yeah, definitely um, will be interesting to see how the team picks up on some other uh, like some other players during the offseason, try to just make sure that they keep, I think, those basic players. I don't think they'll let go of many players, to be honest, because I do think that they'll struggle to find players that could just a- adjust like so quickly. And after having such an amazing season, definitely will do something like something difficult for some of the players. Um, and again, they let go of some of the key elements uh, last season. I just think they're gonna stay with like this basic player, maybe pick up on some other younger players um, from the U17 squad as well. That tournament is coming up. We have, we have a U17 tournament coming up this season and I don't know, start building up on those players and then probably just get like, like two, three, four players um, just to make sure that you're not struggling because of injuries and national team call-ups and stuff like that. Yeah, definitely. And from like a PR standpoint, you've now single-handedly after like we said before, after a terrible preseason or just so many departures where people are wondering what's going wrong, you've now made it to a final where players are like, well, what's going right? I want to be part of this project. So, but I think you're, I think you're totally on point. I think the mentality that this team, ha- that Chivas has is very crucial now moving forward where, uh, you know, like Chore and maybe some of his players don't want to disrupt it with anything that could have happened in the preseason. And now they're going to look for those players that can, maybe they're not the top players, but Chota has done amazing stuff without even some top players. So I think he's going to keep continuing with that philosophy. Just like, I just want players that really believe in my system, really believe in themselves and we'll, we'll see what goes on. So definitely excited um, to see what goes on moving forward. Congratulations again to Tigres. I mean, with, with everything that we've said though, <laughs> um, about, you know, kind of a potential harm with Tigres continuously over and over again, winning the league, being the top team. It was a fun final. Well, they usually are. I, I mean, as long as, as long as it's not like another Monterrey Tigres one. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah those are really exciting, but I, I really fear for Monterrey at this point. I just wanted to face somebody else, right? Um, and, and truth be told, it, it was the first time that Tigres wins the championship after a team that wasn't Rayadas. So that was that was also something like to look into. They all like their previous three titles were all against Monterrey. Um, they lost against America, and now they face Chivas, and they got that fourth championship, which was kind of weird if you think about it. I mean, it speaks highly of Rayadas just making it to the final, although they yeah they they lost those three. 
But um, still, I mean, it's it's good to see some variety, even though it's not the actual Liga MX winner, but at least the final, um, just having a different combination was something um, I was I, I was quite happy just to have something that we hadn't seen before, because obviously just seeing Tigres be there, it was like, oh, it's pr- I'm pretty sure that they're going to win or just like it's highly probable. Right. So hopefully again, I mean, we were happy to see a pretty decent Liguilla. I mean, we had Atlas, we had two Clásicos with Atlas Chivas and, and Monterrey Tigres in the semifinals, which was also great to see. Um, some other teams, Cruz Azul, almost making it to the Liguilla, which we were also pretty happy. I mean, it, it was a better league overall, right? We still had to, like, yeah. for the first, I think it was a couple seasons, we had the entire Liguilla, or at least every single team qualified with a couple of weeks in advance, at least. And now we did have to wait until the last week and to actually know who was going to make it and then what combinations of quarterfinal games were, were possible. So it's getting there, right? You are seeing like this improvement. We've seen other teams like like Querétaro and Atlas struggle a bit more to make it. Like when once they reach Liguillas and try to make things a little bit more difficult for the, like the other teams. Um, obviously, I'd love to see Pachuca do better, Toluca do a little bit better. Um, they started off the league, uh, I, I think, a bit stronger, and they kind kind of got lost along the way. But hopefully, I think they have the projects to actually make a comeback and and be one of those top teams again. So overall, I think I was happy because of that. It, it definitely was a better league. I mean, we saw um, some of the announcements the league made also during the season. They had higher ratings. Um, I think they, they reached like a, a larger amount of people as well, I think on social media and stuff like that. So it was actual growth overall, which is something I mean, really positive for the league. Yeah, and I think it's something that um, Ariola actually mentioned um, in his, you know, I know you were kind enough to give us that information when he had the press conference, right? It's like they understand the growth is there for the league, which is great. They're understanding and they're understanding the hurdles that come with, you know, what's kind of stopping that growth from happening. So I know one of the things that he definitely said was just like creating a stronger or a, a bigger transmission partnership moving forward so that they can get more eyes on the league I mean eyes are on the league regardless people will find ways to watch this league which is great I think um I think uh, I forgot who it was said like 45k online and that was not negating you know the people that watched it um on through the end which is really cool so um yeah there's definitely growth in the league definitely excited moving forward um we had a few questions thank you guys for sending in your questions um sorry I almost choked but thank you for sending in your questions (laughs) (laughs) about you know like I I told you guys that we were going to be recording today so first one is from Roberto uh, Balmori at RC Ball he said should Ophelia Celis leave Tigres now that Ceci Santiago is rumored to come or should she stay and wait for a chance if she goes where should where would be a good destination for her to go also I would appreciate a lot of shout out to the Cantera Cantera and Rosa pod the one 100 about pumas feminine hey there you go if you guys want to go follow it it's at cantera en rosa i didn't know this existed i'm sorry i try to do as good a good a job to follow all the liga max feminine content so there you go roberto but adriana ofedes at least stay or leave at tigres okay first of all we have to go listen to the pod because after pumas announcing a uh, new coach karina Baez, i'm pretty sure they yes. have some interesting takes on that so yeah we should definitely look into that cantera en rosa right yes okay um, and regarding Ofelia Solis, ah, oh, man. Okay, first of all, this is a rumor. I mean, yes, today, Ceci Santiago was announced to leave uh, PSV after a couple of years. We obviously know her from um, how she did it at, at America. She, it was, this was her second experience in, in, in Europe. 
Um, oh man, it's the only thing that Tigres could actually improve on. Agreed. The, That's what I was going to say too. The goalkeeping it, position. It, Not that this ties into the fact that yeah. Chivas scored seven goals on them. It, is, it, <laughs> it ties into it. It's true. Like this is the only I, thing missing. I think they realize that. Okay, continue. <laughs> It's, it's, yeah, I mean, it's the only position you could actually think they could do better. I mean, um, I think that you could say, I, I have to look at the actual lineup, but out of the 11 players, at least nine of them are national team players. So if you had Sissy, that would be like 10 out of 11. <laughs> um, so, I mean, if, if Sissy does join Tigres, I think Ophelia, yeah, should definitely think about looking into another team because if they do bring her Sissy in, it's, it just it's 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 just natural to think Ophelia is not going to be the starting goalkeeper. Okay, you, you don't bring in another player, particularly a player from Europe and a national team player, uh, thinking you're, you're going to bench her, right? So if that does happen, I would thinking about Ophelia, and obviously there's personal considerations to take and to like just think about. But um, yeah, she would. I think that the wise thing would be to think about going to a team where you you can guarantee us a place in the starting position. So yeah. I would look into it if I were Ophelia and if those rumors are confirmed that, that Ceci is coming to Tigres. And that would just be kill. I mean, oh my God. <laughs> just to think about that team. I mean, you could just put like the Mexican jersey on all of them and have a really competitive Mexican national team. The, the interesting thing I think for Ophelia Solis though is you're, you're technically downgrading whatever you decide to do. Like you're gonna, like you're you're going away from. Well, that's not true. That's unfair because technically you can make the same argument that Avicen Gonzalez downgraded by going to Atlas and she was a star player. So, yeah. I, the, but you know, you are gonna have you are gonna face challenges. I think what, what I mean by that is, you, as Ophelia Solis, you are gonna face challenges with the defense that you wouldn't you weren't facing with Tigres' defense. And that in question is what we're talking about, right? If you're gonna find a weak link in Tigres, it is. The goalkeeper position. So, realistically yeah. speaking, you might Ophelia Solis might be competing with other goalkeepers in the league because if that's your yeah. weak link, other top teams are going to be like, I don't know if I want you as our top player. It's an interesting dynamic that she finds herself in. Is she a good goalkeeper? She's she's saved penalties. She's helped them win championships, of course. Yeah, I mean, she's not a bad player. We're not saying yeah. this at all. It's just like it's such a top team. Like, I don't want to see it's it, it's like the weakest link because I really don't think it's she's weak at all. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's a weak like link the way that like position. a really tall tree has a shorter branch. Like it's, you know, like, yeah, it's, exactly. yeah. it's like good yeah. tacos. Yeah. It's like good tacos. That yeah. apparently is a discussion today on the timeline. Look, look, all tacos are good. All right. Is there a best yeah. one? Maybe, but all tacos are good. Okay. Ophelia yeah. is one is a taco. That's what she is. She's a really good taco. Yeah. She's <laughs> the best taco depends on who you ask on the timeline today, but yeah, it's debatable. Um, yeah, so I mean, I would definitely look into like some of the other teams. I, I, I can't, the thing is, if you look at the top teams, I can't actually think that one really needs um, a goalkeeper well, at, at this point. That, well, like, that's what I'm saying. She's, she's downgrading at that point because America, Marcelli, you're going you're gonna to choose off Solis over Marcelli. I don't think you will. Vieda, no. Vieda at Pumas over, over Solis. I don't think you no. will. Like the, the, Blanca Felix. I don't think you will. She had more, she had, I mean, she got scored on more in the final, but I think she has a better track record, so to speak with Solis when it comes to like those difficult head to heads. Like, I think that that's the difficult decision that Solis is going to have yeah. if there's a new goalkeeper in place. 
where do you want to be the second string at Tigres or do you want to be a second string elsewhere? Because that might just end up being what's going to happen to you. So. Yeah, agreed. I'm, I'm starting to think if Santos needs a goalkeeper. I think they let go of one of their goalkeepers. Um, I'm trying to think. But like, again, didn't you're gonna, they let go? You're gonna substitute Toledo, Toledo? Or Solis? I don't. I don't think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's a, that's the thing. I mean, it, it, it's if you want to be like um, in, in Spanish, that you would say, "Do you want to see? Do, do you want to do you want to be cabeza de ratón o cola de león? Do you want to be the head of yeah. the mouse or the tail of the lion?" <laughs> Um, yeah, it's it, really difficult decision. I mean, maybe Tigres also has to look into the possibility of if you do get Ceci Santiago, she's going to be called up a lot to the Mexican national team. So you are going to lose your goalkeeper oh, um, uh, like several times during the season. So maybe that's where Ophelia comes in. Eh, could be. But it's, 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 it'll be interesting to see like like how all those like like how all those chips will lay after Ceci decides, if she does decide to come back to the league, which seems highly possible and see where she ends up. Yeah, definitely agreed. Um, thank you, Robert Roberto, for that question. Um, our next question comes from our good friend, Melissa at the Chivas Femini English account. She said, most underrated players of the season. The most underrated players of the season? Oh, yes. wow. Two come to mind to me automatically. You want me to give me, you want me to give me mine so I can give you time to think? Yeah, I have one. I think maybe Dani Solis was yep. underrated. That was number one for me. Really? Oh, cool. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that was that was. It was, but you know what? It's it doesn't help. Like I said that one, but then I'm also guilty of it because our good friend AJ. Um, it's part of our WhatsApp group for Liga Max Feminine stuff. And he's actually making like a best 11. And I told him to take off <laughs> Dani Solis. So like oh, I'm no. perpetuating this issue. Like she is such an underrepresented, underrated player. I mean, she was instrumental for Rayadas' attacking side. But I, and it, I'm kind of proving the point. She, I, I also had her as the most underrated player of the season. Who was the other player? Because I'm, I'm still thinking of another player. <laughs> I, said, I also said Curiel at Cruz Azul. Granted, they didn't make the Ooh. they I, they didn't make I call it I said it underrated because I they didn't make it to the Ligia, so you didn't get to see more of her. So that's where I say like I don't think people paid as much attention to her as they should have. Um, so yeah, that's those are my two. I said Curiel and Dani Solis for sure. Yeah, Curiel is also pretty good. Yeah, agreed. Um, I'm trying to think if there's anybody else like top of mind. Um, yeah, definitely Curiel has to be up there. Um, yeah, because I don't think anybody else yeah, didn't get I, the record. Like, yeah, like the attention. Yeah. Yeah, I'm trying to think somebody else, but uh, honestly, nobody else comes to mind. I think those are pretty good, like, yeah, yeah answers. Okay. Thank you, Melissa, for that question. We can't think of anyone else. Um, any, uh, the other one questions I'm going to kind of tie into these updates that you probably already know, but because we're recording, we're just going to bring them up. So key thing is... Going into this new season, two foreign-born players are going to be allowed into every team, which is really, really cool. I mean, it had we said it might be too early, but it is what it is. It's going to be interesting seeing the dynamic play into all the teams. Will the top teams have a favorable position? Obviously. Um, but, you know, we'll, we'll just see how it goes. Um, like Adriana mentioned, Karina Benz over there heading over to Pumas Femenil. Um, we had also spoken about this. We thought Davila deserved one more season. But if you're going to look at it from like a big picture standpoint, right, not qualifying any farther in the Ligia can only happen so many times. It is what it is. But 
um, she did have really good she did have really good uh, words to say about Davila in her first press conference saying she just wants to continue the project that she had laid out because they did have a really good season um, this past season. So congratulations to her. Player-wise, Chivas Femenil announced Cassandra Montero over from Mazatlan joining their team. So that's a first interesting dynamic choice over for them. Lucero Cuevas heading over from León Femenil, formerly of America, to Pachuca. That'll be really interesting. Like we were mentioning before we recorded, she didn't have the best of seasons last season. Also has some weird things going on online, but she is a pretty good player. And it'll be interesting to see what Donia East does with her at Pachuca. I'm, I'm particularly interested to see how she does because she's going to go from having a, like, I, I think the experience Donia East has could actually bring out like the best from Soto Cuevas, like the best that we saw when she was at America and was the leading goal scorer for the tournament two semesters in a row. Um, and then she went off to Cholos, and then she went off to Leon. We kind of lost her a bit, like over there. And now she's going to have a really experienced coach with with Doña Is, um, a team that I think is building up quite interestingly. I mean, you're going to have the experience of Monica Ocampo as your teammate, and then you're going to have Doña Is on the bench, and then uh, you're going to have Norma Palafox as a teammate, which is weird because you, you're going to have like both former icons for like Chivas and America now in the same team. Um, and just like just the way Pachuca has always behaved regarding like Liga Mex Femenil, they've supported their the, the women's team so much on social media with their uniforms. They have facilities. It's just they've they've done so well as an institution that you just really hope that they do well as a team because the club deserves it after everything they've actually done for the players and just I don't know set the bar so high regarding everything that's expected from just professional women's players. So I'm really eager to see how she does. Um, I, I think Pachuca could start building up a really interesting team towards next season. Agreed. And we've talked about it a few times already. If there's a team that deserves a title, it's Pachuca, just because of yeah. their own special investment. Maybe it's not as glamorous mm-hmm. as what Tigres has done, but it's definitely been um, pretty cool to see what they've done. And it's something that's very well-deserved. They have some top players over there. Um, yeah. You know, like you said, Ocampo, Paola Lopez, Tonya East yeah. is now there. Eva Espeso is is running is running you know the show on a on a broader scale. So it's it'll be yeah, it's gonna got, be really interesting to see what they do. Um, moving yeah, into the season. Yeah, you've got Carla Nieto um, also doing really interesting things uh, midfield. Um, Ana Lopez, who we had on the podcast, in case you guys want to listen to that interview, was pretty awesome as well. Biri yeah. um, Salazar, also really great midfielder. So it, it seems as though it's, it's, it's coming along, right? It, the team is, is slowly starting to build up and it's going to be really interesting to see how, how well they do. Agreed. Um, Natalia Monleon also joined uh, America Femenil. Massive get. I mean, she's had an incredible, for two reasons, she's also part of the TMJ squad, which is really cool and exciting. Um, but massive get. I mean, she's a up-and-coming young player, part of that U17 squad, did amazing stuff over at Toluca. I think from what I've seen online, Toluca is very excited to kind of pass over the torch of what they developed um, with Natalia over to America. Um, it's an absolutely massive get for them. And I'm really excited to see how she does helping the, the offensive and attacking side for them. Yeah. I, and she was also one of the youngest players um, when the league started in 2017. I mean, she's 19 now. Um, so yeah, she was like 15 when the league started and she scored 10 goals back then 
which is quite amazing when you think about it. Um, so again, she's still such a young player, 19 years old, coming onto America. Great, great challenge. Will be so interesting to see what she does um, at Guapa, and really eager to see how like how she can grow also with, with the national team as well. Definitely one of those players to keep an eye on. Yeah, so very exciting stuff. Um, another thing we definitely want to touch on, I mean, Adriana and I have been not recording, but we've been in touch with each other um, this entire time talking about various news things coming out of the league. And we definitely did want to touch on the newest signing for America, which is their head coach. Um, from what I've heard, obviously, and this is to not, I want to preface this by saying it's not to negate at all the fantastic reporting that's been done by Magnilla uh, Linehan and a bunch of other NWSL reporters covering uh, Utah Royals and everything going on in that debacle that happened last season. Obviously, none of that is okay. You know, they got great sources. They're fantastic reporters. And so they've done their due diligence in getting all that done. From what we've heard from other collective NWSL reporters as well is that it's a very, without having any, it's a very gray area, right? What happened in Utah can't be dismissed from the players. That's them coming out and saying what they say. But his record at Chicago is an entirely different story. And the reason that I say those two things is because when it leads up to the league and, you know, America as a club, you would like to believe, and I and I can I, I can say talking to different, you know, different persons and different having different perspectives, they did their due diligence, they're the only and you know, they're moving forward with this project. And um, tons of other reporters have also had threads and they've also, you know, given a space for, you know, both sides of the spectrum and and the outlets that speak about them. So the only thing that we that I can say and that I hope for is that whatever whatever has happened is is definitely not okay but i think america has done their job in in trying to figure out what is happening they have a project and it, you know they've done their due diligence and so we can only hope that it's you know not nothing but positive but just you know moving forward with america as a team and with these new signings obviously with the players that we all care about um covering this league you know we they're, they're treated well and everything is done respectfully. Yeah, agreed. I mean, it's it's gonna be a really difficult position. I mean, I think we're all eager to see how that first press conference will go, see how these issues are brought up, um, what they're gonna do about them, what they're gonna do to prevent them, um, how they're gonna approach them. And just hopefully it's, it's something that will bring growth to the league. And I don't know, it, it's just, it's, it's a really difficult position to just, think about all these reports and, and knowing how bad it could get but still um hopefully as, as you were mentioning hopefully america did their homework on this and knows what they're getting into and understands like the repercussion of every decision that they're going to make and hopefully um it's just something that will benefit the players will benefit the league and the club and the, uh, i don't know time will tell definitely if this was the wiser choice yeah, I mean, there's, you know, there's definitely players that are involved in in the team that I think have also been contacted and, and spoken to. So I think, like you said, it'll be a very interesting dynamic to see how that first press conference goes. And we'll, you know, we'll all take into consideration moving forward just how this entire project is. Um, but definitely wanted to address it. I mean, and I have talked about it and we we've kind of, you know, thought what was the best way to to go to go with it and the only thing that we can do now at this point is 
is wait to see what's going to happen. Um, in the obviously saying that, not just saying like things are going to happen, but just waiting and hoping the best for everyone involved yeah. and especially the players because they're the most important at the end of the day. Agreed. Yeah, so definitely wanted to address that. Moving forward with a couple of the questions that we got, our good friend Cesar Hernandez, who now looks exactly like Wiso with his crazy haircut, um, he said, what are some realistic <laughs> signings that Liga Mex teams should be aiming for when it comes to the two foreign spots that are going to be open? And I'm going to give that question and add it with another question that our follower Ben said. Do you think some NWSL talent will come over as a loan? So um, which two play, you know, which good signings and does that involve NWSL players coming in as well? Oh man, the thing is with this rule change, I don't think it was, it's bad or just something that we shouldn't look into as a league to bring in foreign players. I just think it was a step that was taken a bit too early in my point of view. I think team with, with, with the U-17 tournament starting off this semester, I think teams would benefit enormously from having all those younger players come in, slowly getting some minutes, uh, getting the hang of things professionally, um, and start to grow within the clubs themselves. I think that, I think that was probably what I was really eager to see um, clubs look into. Um, and now with allowing two foreign players, not that the league will benefit enormously from this. I, I really do think they, it could. The thing is, I'm really worried about the impact this could have on the league as well, because we've seen teams, we know which clubs take the, like the women's league seriously. We, we just, we know what, like what goes on. You can see from how uh, things that happen during the season, press conferences, players letting know like how the travel conditions are and letting us know like, like wages and stuff like that. You, you can tell which teams take this project. We'll take not really a project, now a league seriously. And I just fear that the fact that some of the, like every club will be allowed to bring in foreign players will just be a higher, like a really larger advantage to those teams that are taking the league seriously. And it will just broaden the gap with those other teams that aren't. I think that the possibility of having that U17 tournament was like, was a great way of getting everyone on board and have like create players that are really young and could start to build up on like the senior squad. So now having that possibility, I mean, I can't imagine what would happen if Tigres brings in like two national team players from any other country into their squad. What happens if Rayadas does that? What happens if, if Chivas does it with, with Mexican players? Because obviously they're not going to bring in foreign players. Um, but but <laughs> like but, but players like from abroad, right? You, you find out they have like the Mexican roots somehow. Um, I, I worry about that, honestly, because I do think they can and probably will take like that advantage and I just don't see other teams doing it I, I can't imagine um Necaxa bringing in players from abroad I can't imagine San Luis doing that I can't imagine um I don't know I, I think Puebla might but like like some of those like other teams like maybe Leon probably won't Juarez I don't think will um I, well, it's I just worry it's about that point. it's gonna be like a really broad it's a selling gap. point right it's like as a foreign player Unless, I mean, the other, the, the other side of that, unless you find, you know, hidden gems, which you can, because, you know, there's underrated other underrated players, maybe in like the Central American leagues or something that you can bring in that aren't necessarily um, dual nationals. Cause I know we have like a few like Mexican Guatemalans or Mexican Hondurans uh, uh, in the league already. Right. But if you can find those yeah. hidden gems, I think you have to be really tactical about it. If you're like a lower end team, um, mm -hmm. But I, yeah, I agree with you. I think for the, I think the selling point 
for attracting a top player for attracting an NWSL player. Like that's going to be the top teams. That's definitely going to be the top teams. Unless there's a, and I don't say that, you know, you know, to make fun of the lower end teams. It's just, if you're playing in the NWSL and San Luis contacts, you would, you know, from a marketing standpoint, from all of that, what are you going to think? You know, like, how is that, what is going to convince you to try to go and, and go to San Luis? I mean, for what it's worth, San Luis has a very high, high scoring games, you know? <laughs> so anybody who knows the league already knows those things, but in terms of, you know, in terms of pay, payment, anything of like that, I think, yeah, I think that that's where um, the top teams are definitely going to take advantage of that. Tigres is probably definitely going to take advantage of this. Yeah. Chivas, I mean, oh, I, Chivas we just they, talked about, but yeah. I'm guessing, like like you were saying, if they're really like strategic regarding this, I think some of the like some of these clubs could actually look into bringing players maybe to South America, yeah. um, just those developing leagues or just already professional leagues, maybe like Argentina, Colombia. Maybe they could look into that. I'm pretty sure Tigres is going to look over at the NWSL or someone in Spain and then just be like, oh no worries, we can just pay whatever and have them bring like just coming over, right? Um, but maybe, yeah, if they're really strategic about it, first of all, if they're, if they're interested in actually having a more competitive team and just taking advantage of the rules, because if they don't, the other teams will. Um, so if they look into it that way and, and try to make sure that it's something really well thought of and not just something like, oh, no, we can't bring in foreign players. They're going to be too expensive. How, how are we going to, how on earth are we going to tell the club that they have to invest in, 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 in a player from abroad, right, for the women's team? So, yeah, maybe... Hopefully, they'll look into that possibility of just bringing in really, like top quality players and not thinking of the obvious market, which is probably the NWSL or someone in Europe. I think the positive from us kind of talking about this, though, is we said this, I think, a few weeks back is the parity is not there. The top teams are still the top teams, but those middle mm-hmm. teams. I think Cruz Azul can go and get a pretty good foreign player. I think Santos can go and get a pretty good yeah. foreign player. Mazatlan yeah. And they, and then that's where the interesting dynamic as that play. I think, I think the top teams were like, ah, the top teams are going to go get maybe some pretty good talented, not just NWSL, but even in South America, maybe they can find some pretty talented players that are getting paid decent wages. The middle teams are also like, hey, you know, Cruz Azul, Cruz Azul to a player, you know, we didn't make the Ligia, but if you help us and you invest in this project mm-hmm. and, you know, they have a really good DT right now you can get us there and that's your selling point yeah. santos same thing we were close we weren't that masatlan also My, you know we were close but almost there i think the bottom teams have to be really tactical about this where they go you know what we're not the top team we can possibly become a mid-table team and that's where you go hand in hand and i think that's the positive of this is that we only said maybe like three or four teams and it's all the bottom bottom teams it's like necaxa um, juarez Puebla that you're like it might be difficult for them but this is where the interesting dynamic gets gets played with the mid-table team so that's where I'm like this could be this could be something good but I agree because even though we did have news that um uh uh Fuerzas Basicas is going to be formed as well you know the foreign side could have been postponed just a little bit longer yeah I could definitely see Santos being they they they, have, they they get players like on, on the men's side they hire players yeah. so well thought of I mean mm-hmm. they don't get like those top stars but they get players that adjust so perfectly to their system to their playing style I think they do a particularly good job with scouting so if they do that for the women's side oh my god that would be amazing and they could definitely compete like 
way better if, if they do that for the women's side. Hopefully they will. I do see that, that particular club doing well if they just take that into consideration for the women's side. Oh, for sure. I, I, I wholeheartedly agree as well. I think that, I think Orlegi in general as a, as a company or entity has a really good potential now moving forward because their Atlas side is doing pretty well. Santos obviously just made the finals. Um, Atlas Feminine, top team in the league. And then you have Santos just climbing their way up now in the course of these seasons. So I agree. I think that that is an, an exciting dynamic um, to look forward to. So much Liga Max Feminine stuff is happening. This is crazy. I was, but it's very, <laughs> as, as always, it's very therapeutic to speak about this, as always. Yeah, I agree. Uh, <laughs> before we move on to Three Feminine's Friendlies, uh, anything else we want to say about Liga Max Feminine? Obviously, tons of stuff is are moving, and we're going to be talking about it as, as, as much as we can. We're going to be a little bit busy this summer, so be patient with us. Um, but we talked a lot about stuff today. Um, but anything else, Adriana, moving forward that we should look forward to? Um... No, I mean, just keep up with, um, with all the transfers. We are seeing players come back to oh, start wait. practice as I well. Just, I just remembered something. I just remembered something. Sorry to interrupt you. Congratulations to the Liga MXFM ENG community. We were a top hashtag during these finals. Oh, yeah, I saw that. We were a top hashtag. That is awesome. I am so proud of all of us. Like, you know, those little... I mean, if you haven't seen it already, I'm pretty sure you have. But, like, those little whatever word charts that show like the top yeah it's thing. like a globe right it's like this it's like really the, cool like globe oval thing <laughs> yes we were a little not gonna lie we were a little bit smaller in the first leg um ah now i forget who it was a fantastic reporter um actually put this all together i'm so sorry i don't remember your name but Georgina? Uh, who is it Georgina. Hergina, yes, Hergina, thank you, Hergina. Yeah. She did a fantastic job on the first leg and the second leg, looking over the data, looking over the analytics of everything. And while we were smaller, the community was a little bit smaller on the first leg, bam, we were right there on the second leg. I, We were actually, no offense, Adina, we were actually a little bit bigger than Ellas and Tudene, which is kind of cool. I mean, you guys have tons of money where you have five dollars <laughs> to our names um but it was pretty cool like i'm actually so happy for all of us if that's the last thing we talk about before we move on to three feminine i'm so proud of all of us so <laughs> i did see it I, I was quite happy as well i was like you know it's because there's just like so many words and like like hashtags and some of them are bigger than older than others and they have like the, the older and stuff like that and i was like i looked at it and i was like wait what <laughs> So anyway, it was it was really exciting. So yeah, it was kudos to everybody. Good job, to people. Everyone, <laughs> all of you guys, yeah. just paying attention. This is all of you guys using the hashtag more than anything else. You know, I, Melissa tried to give me credit and say, "Well, you started," but no, you guys use it. You guys use the hashtag whenever you're talking about the Liga Max Feminine in English, and you know, we were we were one of the top trending hashtags for the league. So kudos to all of you very proud of you guys mm -hmm. if i knew how to properly add in round of applause i would i want to do i want to start doing that i'm trying to get better at this audio thing but round of applause to you all <laughs> um now moving forward to three feminine adriana we were talking about this before we started recording okay so the friendly against japan is scheduled for june 13th which is on sunday but it's on sunday at midnight central time your time right oh man yeah I mean, I, th I think I prefer like a midnight game rather than like a 4 a.m., 5 a.m., even like 7 a.m. game. I mean, we've had just about everything. Um, hey, we woke this up at five. With, with Give us some credit. Side. Yeah, we woke up we at five. We all woke up yeah. at five that one time. We all did our best. Yep, we did. We did. Yeah, well, it was Slovakia, right? Yeah. Yes. 
That was so naive. Yeah. yeah. Good job, people. Again, we, we've done so well this semester, people. Just keep it up. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, so the game is at 1 a.m. Eastern time on Sunday. So it's it's like Saturday so night, it's, Sunday. Yeah. So it's morning. 10 p.m. It's 10 p.m. on the 12th, technically, for all the Pacific Coast people. So it'll be it'll be it'll be right after the Mexico game. Like it's right after Mexico versus Honduras. You can stay up and watch the feminine side right after. Like there's no excuse. It's a Saturday night. Like just take advantage. I'm I'm gonna be in Atlanta, so I have to be up or not up. I have to stay up from 1 a.m. to 3 a.m. to watch this <laughs> game. So if I can do it, you can do it, guys. You can do it. Yeah. Just tweet out and we'll be answering tweets and watching the game and everything. Exactly. So again, let's get that hashtag rolling. Yeah. <laughs> let's just make it happen. <laughs> let's get trending for the L3 Fem ENG. But at the end, line up for this game. Let's look ahead. Uh, we have Emily Alvarado and Ceci Santiago for the goalkeepers. Then in defense, we got Jimena Lopez, Jocelyn Orajel, Reina Reyes, Kenti Robles, Kimberly Rodriguez, Karina Rodriguez, and Bianca Sierra. In the midfield, we've got Nancy Antonio, Rebecca Bernal. Belen Cruz, Nayeli Diaz, uh, Caro Jaramillo, Jocelyn Montoya, uh, Lisbeth Ovalle, Mari Carmen Reyes. And then up top, we've got um, Licha Cervantes, Alison Gonzalez, Stephanie Mayor, and Kiana Palacios. I mean, this would be a pretty interesting game. Obviously, uh, what we said when it was initially announced is good. We've had, we're getting a wider set of uh opponents to face off with we had the japanese ambassador actually or the feminist i had the japanese ambassador over at training before they left car um so it should be an exciting friendly to look forward to yeah agreed i think um obviously we're still seeing tons of players like just being switched up like between every call up which i think is totally normal i think it, it, there, we're still at the point where um, where, where Monica wants to make sure that she sees all players in all possible positions in all possible environments and, and, and situations. And then hopefully, I think by the second semester, we will have a really definite, like a definitive team or a backbone of a team uh, to build up on. So will be great. I mean, I, I was, I was, I'm still pretty amazed at how well the Federation has done this semester with having new coaches um, I can't even remember how many like training camps, like for the U20, the U17 and the U15 and the senior squad we've had this semester. I'm guessing at least like between all of them, there, there've been at least, I think like 10 or something because we've seen them be called up um, like for half a week or even more than a week. Um, I think the U17 just ended up another mini camp like last week or this week. Yeah. So I'm really just happy to see constant activity and just making sure you have really, really um, constant contact with all, with all these players um, on all different divisions and categories. So again, um, I'm really eager to see this game against Japan. I think it's going to be a really, really tough game, to be honest. And then we have those two uh, friendlies against the U.S. coming up in July. Um, I think it's going to be a really tough position for the senior team. I was kind of not too happy about facing the U.S., because I, I think we're still at a point where we're kind of building the team and growing and, and getting to know like Monica Vergara's system and players amongst each other. I mean, all those different combinations. So I'm kind of like, I wouldn't have expected to have such a high um, competition so early in that project, but I get it. Um, and obviously this is better than not having any games at all. Um, on the other hand, I'm kind of worried as well, just regarding how many players are not going to have like a really decent, like 
vacation period before next season. I think that is something that kind of worries me because those friendlies are in July and you have these players come in to, for the Japan game. Um, they've been practicing it for at least a week um, because they have to travel and, you know, COVID and stuff like that. Um, so they're not going to have like a really long rest period. So just uh, take that into consideration. Um, just see, uh, hopefully they will get some, some rest from their clubs, but still something to take into consideration, obviously. That's actually a really great uh, point to make because our final question from the listeners was actually from Melissa saying the national team having all these friendlies is awesome, but do you think it could backfire considering how tight the league schedule is already? I agree with that because if like we saw um, for the past friendlies when they faced Slovakia and Spain, right? The Chivas players were at a disadvantage because I think they came back like 24 hours before their game for the Ligia. So yeah. it's like, it's this very interesting, like we've been we've been asking for more national team attention and more national team activity for the senior side. Cause there was virtually nothing last season. Um, but at what cost, right. Um, but then again, they are in a similar position as the men's side where unfortunately because of the pandemic, everything's just being put together rapidly. And then we have qualifiers coming up that are important to, to take into consideration. So it's a very interesting dynamic that the feminine side faces, um, and they, and, you know, unfortunately for them, they don't, I mean, not to say that they don't right? but it's like the scheduling is interesting because the men's is catered to the way that the rest of the world does. And the feminine yeah. side kind of doesn't always do that because they'll still keep playing. Even when the men's are on break, I think mm-hmm. maybe going into next season, like fully, they'll probably start adjusting it accordingly, but it's still, you know, there's, they are, they, they are being, um, put in a disadvantage because of that so i was actually thinking like a, a few weeks ago when we had all like the, the like the owners meeting for liga mex they announced when liga mex starts i don't remember them saying that liga mex feminine started at the same time and that they, hasn't always they gave been us the, the case i thought they gave us a july 19th date no wasn't that but that was but that was for the men. Did they did they include the women in that announcement? Because actually that's a good point the because day. the website for the feminist side hasn't been updated, so probably not. You'd have to double check. Because I know yeah, they usually to, they usually started yeah. at zero when they definitively had the schedule. So yeah. And it had like, I remember, we covered I think the it was last year. But <laughs> 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 well the thing is usually when you say Liga Max, you you just like by default, it's just like, oh yeah, that's when everything starts because you do have like the U20 and the U17 for the men play against the same teams at, in the same calendar. And for the women, the thing is they haven't always respected that same, I mean, they don't have the same calendar. Like if the men have like an America Chivas game for the women, it's not that same game. You get America oh, versus yeah. Querétaro. Um, and I think it was also last year, we didn't actually even have a start date for a really long time. We had one for the men. And they just kept postponing, postponing, postponing whenever the women were going to start. And because the league doesn't like doesn't have the same pauses as the men, they can just like be like, oh, you guys can start off two weeks later because you'll catch up eventually because men will have like three FIFA friendlies or three FIFA dates during the semester and the women will only have one or something. Um, so, yeah, we, I think we have to like like read the fine print on that and just make sure they actually meant all categories and not necessarily only the men categories. Yeah, that's a good point. I have to double check that. Yeah. Um, as far as the friendly goes, I I agree. I think that there is something very 
kind of like we're going back to right like the timeline has just been so fast i know it's something that we've always wanted we have a great we there's a great uh coach with monica vergara there leading the way we face spain obviously we got to see the the levels at which the gap is severely between the two japan also mm-hmm. a top team in the world 2011 world cup champion so you'll see how they're developing over there seeing how we face amongst them it does feel a little soon because it feels like those that have not believed in the, in the system, in the league, in the players can kind of be, you know, can kind of be validated with like these large score lines. But I think this Japan one is a little bit more interesting. Are they Spain? No, but they're still a top team. So we're going to have to see how that dynamic works. Monica herself is also playing, like you said, she's still playing with her, with her system. She's trying to see which players work best. Licha still hasn't scored. I hope that she gets a goal during this friendly, possibly. Caro Jaramillo just returned to the team as well. So definitely interested to see that. The goalkeeper position is also at a competition. That's something that um, Monica said during her press conference, right? So uh, interesting to see what she does with all of that. But I do think that there is a risk in playing all these top teams so quickly because we were so excited mm-hmm. after that Costa Rica victory. And then, <laughs> you know, then we see Spain and then we miss goals against Slovakia. It, it's where at 7 a.m. It's where the worries start to come. I think if you see something like Costa Rica, you're like, okay, we are. Because at the end of the day, we're just trying to be a top team in CONCACAF, right? I mean, we want to be a world competitor and we want to see them do really well. We want to see them get get out of the group stage in the World Cup, but manage what we're going doing in CONCACAF first. So can we be the top team over Costa Rica? We've shown that already. Yes, so far, yes. Can Can we go over Jamaica and Canada who have, gotten farther than us in international competition so far i think so but i maybe that's the point of these top teams right like look maybe you're not as close to these teams but this is where you're going to be better than the rest of the teams but it's a very delicate line and i hope that mentally it doesn't overtake the players too much where they're you know saying you know what maybe we're not japan maybe we're not spain maybe we're definitely not the united states we're going to be a top team in Concacaf, and i and i hope that that's what these friendlies are meant to do that's the thing that I yeah. really want to take from this. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, I, I was like, like expecting them to face maybe South American teams first. To be honest, like, yeah. I, 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 not because I don't think they'll be tough rivals. I actually think they'll be pretty tough rivals. But it's just like part of that like growth that you want to make sure you have with, especially with all these changes we've had. Like every single call up, it's almost like not entirely different players, but pretty much. I mean, you do see the different like combinations for the attack or midfield. Um, more experienced, less experienced um, players coming over from from U.S. colleges, and, and so yeah, you you want to make sure you're kind of comfortable with making those changes without ac- actually just having players also face like the burden of having like a really top team or, or World Cup champion like facing like against you. So um, yeah, well, I mean, still it'll be really interesting to see um, all these experiments with the Japan game, with the U.S. games, um, and just. I, I guess we're just just so happy to see so much strength now with the women's national teams. Not not only with Monica's team, but also with with Maribel's, with with Anna's, um, and just seeing them grow like as an entire system, which is just amazing. Yeah, and uh, like the Liga MX Femenil, right? Like you see these play, or just in general. I mean, I, I'm really proud of just like the collective coverage and just like the overall 
information that we now have with so many different Mexican players playing in college, playing in the WSL, playing in the Liga Mex Femenil of all ages, because we do see, you know, Maribel Dominguez's system at play with the U20 side and then the U17 side. And we have an Aileen over there with the younger side, with the, you know, with the younger teams, the Leon, all those. And we're like, one day they're going to head over to maybe, Mon- you know, I, Monica's probably here for the long run. So now implementing themselves over to Monica's senior team. And it's, it's pretty exciting. I think, I think that was one of the interesting things that we're going to talk about right now with the Nations League is right this this rivalry within CONCACAF. We're now getting excited for that happening for the women's side too because we're like, hey, look at all these players that we support in the league and and throughout the the, the world. We want to go see them on the national level, and that's something that you know unfortunately we didn't see during the Olympics. That I think is going to be changing now is like this this whole support system is is growing. Um, for women's Mexican women's soccer in general. Yeah, agreed. So yeah, I mean, pretty difficult semester coming up next semester as as all these tournaments are coming about and just CONCACAF making sure that we have a stronger women's system as a confederation. So yeah, it will be definitely interesting to see like new players come in. Some players probably just step up from like the U20s and come up to the to the, to the women's senior side. I've always said it's kind of unfair for the women's side that we don't actually have like a, a category or a division like between the U20s and the senior side. Like that, that U23 team that the men have, that usually for Olympics, um, it, it, it's pretty valuable. I mean, even, even now, um, like the men's side changed systems. Now it's not going to be U15 and U17 teams. Now we're going to have, a U, I think it's U16 and a U18, right? And for the women, it's kind of like, I, I can't imagine how difficult it is for some of the players to suddenly be playing a U20 CONCACAF championship and the following year be playing for a senior uh, World Cup championship. So um, yeah, kind of just one of those things happens in women's soccer you can have to take into consideration part of the growth process yeah so like we mentioned if you're watching that friendly for the men's side t- this saturday just stay up and watch the feminine side nothing's gonna happen just support <laughs> all nighter yeah all nighter <laughs> you do them all the time anyway just, just actually it's two friendlies because the, the u20 like the, the yeah the u24 squad also plays a friendly on saturday See, so you have the U24 and then the senior men and then senior women. So it's, it's an entire three-field day. See, what more could you ask yeah. for? Just go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> Closing down, Adriana, uh, we talked about it to death. I argued with people on the timeline um, on Sunday night, just, you know, for funsies. Uh, we saw and Cesar talked about it yesterday on the Mexican Soccer Show. But uh, last, before we end the pod, lasting impressions of the coveted Nations League final. Oh, man, that was a good game um it was it was I really it was fun I think it was it was a it was fun exciting no, fun's the wrong um, word it was just chaotic and but we enjoyed chaos <laughs> so there it's it was chaotic. So easily confused yes <laughs> um it, yeah it was chaotic I mean but still entertaining maybe not like yeah just slightly fun entertaining I I really appreciate the fact that it was like a really high rivalry game it was I mean, obviously, I would have wanted Mexico to win, right? But I just can't wait for these guys to face each other again, like in the in the Gold Cup final. So it's gonna be that much more intense. So I was actually just happy because of that. Um, obviously, I also don't. I, I dislike it when we just take things for granted as a national team and just be like, oh, it's the U.S. I mean, they missed out on the World Cup. How difficult could they be? And so I'm, I'm kind of happy when we get like that, like like slap and, and just be like, no, 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 this is reality. You just can't expect to win just because you show up, right? 
So, I mean, still, I don't think they played poorly. I actually think Mexico played pretty well. Um, I mean, that last minute penalty kick by Guardado, that that was a terrible shot, by the way, but you normally wouldn't have expected the team captain to miss on on a penalty kick. kick. Um, But yeah, I mean, it's just one of the things that happens. I just hope it makes like the rivalry a lot stronger. I mean, not, 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 tougher in the sense that it's going to get violent or anything, but just like, yeah, like a really high intensity rivalry. I think um, both teams will benefit because of that. Yeah. Agreed. And fig and my lasting impressions were uh, they lose this nation's league, just don't lose the gold cup or at least yeah. you know, <laughs> like aim higher at that point. Granted the excuse, not the excuse. I don't say the excuses because we can also make excuses on our end for the nation's league. Like it didn't matter, blah, blah, blah. Right. Nobody cared. I mean, people cared. Right. But the the whole point of this final that was exciting was that it was going to be like the top teams. Right. And so Gold Cup, mm-hmm. you might have that excuse from either side. Well, it's not really our top players or we're not going to have everybody, whatever, whatever. But I mean, at this point, you get this out of your system. Like you said, right. It, it becomes a wake up call. I think that's what everybody following the national team was like, OK, this is your wake up call. The, you know, the rivalry is still here. You've had a good 10 year run of dominating now, you know, kind of prove your worth as a top as a top team and that'll be in the gold cup. And obviously we're, it's a point of fact, maybe it was used an excuse yesterday, but a point of fact, you're in the Olympics. They're not do well in the Olympics and, and just move forward with your entire system and your entire player mm. player pool moving forward. So um, yeah, that's, that's what I got out of it too. Chaos. It was just chaos. It was just full blown <laughs> all over the place. Could have gone, could have gone in either direction, but one team yeah. had to win. And and, and and I should just say it, it was just such a chaotic day for like Mexican population in general. I mean, it started off pretty well. Oh, and then you guys the, had the election, didn't you? We had the election. Oh my it God. Was the worst timing possible. <laughs> um, I mean, first of all, the day started off awesome, right? Because Chico Perez won a race in Formula One. Everyone was so excited. Oh my God, like, that's wow. true. And then the game started and we were like, oh my God. I was like, like people are voting all day long and stuff like that. It, it's so... So then the first like round of results was going to be at 11 p.m. Uh, Central time. And that was just like halfway through like, like overtime. So I was like, oh, my God, like if we go to PKs, nobody's going to be watching the PKs because we're all watching like the election results and people might be angry. And then how are people going to react? And like it was it was it was just a mess at that point. I was like, I have no idea what people are going to watch. I mean, I really understand that the election is, is far more important than the Olympic Nations League final. Um, but still it, it was just like, like just a dilemma just like, oh my God, it's going to happen because if the game would have ended like in regular time, nothing like, we'd be like, okay, we won, we lost. And then just like, wait a little bit and like, oh, let's go see the election, like the results. And it was just at the same time. I was like, oh my God, this is just the weirdest thing ever. <laughs> I could, I didn't forget about that. Cause obviously there's, there's you, there's a few other people in Mexico that I'm a consistent basis with and you know they were also talking about the election my (laughs) timeline was a perfect like like disaster in in Mexican soccer and then (laughs) elections and and influencers and it was yeah it was a a chaotic mess is a perfect culminate that started off with Checo Perez winning like yeah we 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 started off strong yeah we thought it was gonna be like just a perfect day of having like like peaceful elections and then going on smoothly and probably Mexico beating the U.S. And then it was like, no, no, Checo won, but Mexico didn't. And then the elections and people were kind of nervous and, and 
yeah so it was it was definitely like a really weird day all around yeah then the Lakers lost too it's just yeah man it's just (laughs) it's just a bunch of stuff but anyway Adriana we got through it as always tons of topics that we hit thank you guys so much for your questions um but it's always therapeutic to talk about this stuff it is yes it is it's very much all right guys thank you so much that about does it i hope you enjoy this entire rambling that we had um like we said definitely enjoy the finals i mean i mean enjoy the friendlies enjoy all both friendlies all friendlies enjoy all friendlies of all levels for el three this weekend stay up late support the feminine side always interesting dynamics happening over there with monica vergara um, we'll definitely keep you in the loop with any other incoming Liga Max Feminine rumors, tr- you know, transfers, whatever it is. We're going to be giving it to you as often as we can. Like we said, summer of just madness this summer. So Adrian and I were definitely going to make time. Like we've actually changed the dates. We usually do this on Thursdays and now we've been doing them <laughs> earlier in the week. Um, but follow the hashtags Liga Max FEM ENG. Follow the L3 FEM ENG one. Follow the L3 Yang Day. Just enjoy all of it. Enjoy this summertime because at the end of the day, it is our football. All right, guys. Thank you so much. We'll see you next week.